I'm Rachel Morey and with me is Scott Combridge and we'd like to welcome you to Conversations. G'day and welcome to another time of Conversations with Rachel and Scott. Normally you hear Rachel's voice at this point in time but she's asked me just to do the intro to give her a bit of a break and so you get used to hearing my voice. Last week we were looking at freedom and captivity and we explore lots of options. This week we're going to look at freedom and the limitations within that. The freedom, the limitations of creation, the limitations of scripture, and the relation, the limitations of relationship. To get a handle on this, and in the prep time, Chris, Rachel's husband, thought of a Terry Pratchett quote, which goes like this: What better work for one who loves freedom than the job of watchman? Law is the servant of freedom. Freedom without limits is just a word. So we're going to explore how the limitations actually give freedom. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Feel free to join in with it as you listen or argue with it. And uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation between two friends. It's very raw and very real and just on the ground of two ministers having a chat about life, scripture and all of God's world. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy our chat. Hi, Scott. Thanks for the introduction today. Is your week going well? Yeah, it's not too bad, Rachel. There's some endings and some beginnings. I really uh, always good. find my starts of this really funny because it just happens like sometimes it happens in a funny voice I don't know why but anyway my apologies for that last week we had a look or last not last week but last month we had a look at freedom and captivity Um, and we explored that freedom isn't freedom if it takes away from another and that Mm. unfortunately this is how captivity gets disguised as freedom and these are the subtleties of captivity that most people mm. don't wake up to this fact and it becomes the constant battle of self and my freedom, which in turn we become a slave to a perpetual cycle of self and trying to get freedom from self. So if you haven't listened to that episode, hop on over and have a listen to that one. But this mm. week we are going to be discussing limitations because I think we often have a negative view about limitations or... Anyway, let's let's see how our views work out with limitations. So we'll discuss limitations and and the society's um, how society places limitations upon us. That limitations can be a trigger for creativity and creative space, and explore creativity and the outpouring of love through creativity. Also, as we finalise the episode, we'll look at how does freedom and limitations work. But I thought rather than finishing with that one, we would start with that one and actually explore a little bit of how limitations give freedom. Well, from my point, the the limitations that give freedom is that if you think about a paddock, and I've talked about this as a, a metaphor many times, that if you think about a paddock, here are the boundaries of being safe and you're free to roam anywhere within that. But beyond those boundaries... It's not safe. And so if you're, a, you're an animal in the paddock and there's a road on one side, there's a chasm on the other side, you know, there's whatever. The, the, beyond the boundaries, I'm safe. Outside the boundaries, I've got no protection. 
And so that's one of the ways that limits put on us. Another way of exploring it is speed limits. Speed limits that are uh, limitations that are put on us with vehicles that can go faster and faster and brake harder. We've actually got more restrictive speed zones these days in Australia than we had when we had cars that stopped slower, didn't have the safety options that they do. What's that about? It's about the fact that uh, when we all adhere to the limitations and the boundaries or the rules of the road, we're more likely to be safer on it as opposed to free-for-all. There is sometimes some argument that without, without rules, people are more attentive because rules create false sense of security. And that's why we're talking about limitations in freedom, not limitations with a sense of understanding of boundaries and context of safety. But limitations create the space to be free and limitations create the space to grow and mature. And there are a reality that we actually outgrow limitations at certain stages of our lives too. If you think about the image of a child, the limitations of PowerPoints, I've used that analogy in the past before, you know, the limitations on using cutlery, on um, having access to certain things that they're just not available to. One of the limitations I think we've dropped as a society, being a chaplain in the schools, is the um, parental guidance limitations on videos and movies. There's lots of kids now whose parents don't care. They've got TVs in their rooms and they watch some shows that are so far beyond their actual cognitive ability to comprehend and understand the show that they're watching, but they want to watch it because all the other kids say they're watching it and it's popular. That actually screws with their brains because their, their brains are not actually ready to receive and to understand and to manage the information that's thrust upon them in some of the shows that they watch. So limitations a, are actually healthy. Reading a, a study on that one the other day um, to say that in adulthood, those situations actually become a trauma rather than being able yeah, to... Yeah, later on. Yeah, that, that you're yeah, dealing with a trauma. In the system. In, a trauma in adulthood if you watch something or witness something that you can't understand or you can't grasp so yeah. that's an interesting yeah so limitations are healthy and they actually help us explore creativity another limitation that i go to based on that is that you know when i was a kid growing up we didn't have all of the models and all of the toys and all of the the gimmicks like star wars is made to sell merchandise now it's not made to tell a story it's made to sell merchandise whereas when star wars came out and there was no merchandise we all just made believe we all had imagination that created the story that we played in whereas now the kids have got video games they've got models they've got the stuff that actually robs them of the creativity so they're not limited in that sense to what they can access for toys. And, and a lot of kids have lots of toys in their rooms and they've got lots of junk, but their actual ability to be creative is diminishing because they're not limited in their access to stuff. Mm. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. I think there's been some really good studies on that one as well, that, yeah. um, that as, as a world society, we are actually losing the ability to think for ourselves or be creative or use our imagination um, because we're not being offered that ability as a child. So, yeah. Well, I, I think it's that, that we don't make the choices as adults when we're bringing up our children. 
this always may be a controversial statement that people may react to, but, but, you know, the kids don't have to have everything. In fact, they, they actually grow better not having everything. And they, they grow better earning things in the house rather than being just given them. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a grandfather now in my own right, and there is something unhealthy about someone who just always gets given what they want. They actually don't respect the work ethic. They don't respect the giver. And nor do they respect the boundaries or the limitations of the thing that they've been given access to. And so you get, you know, here's a toy. Great. Thanks. I know there's another toy coming. So if I break this one, who cares? Mm. You know, because it's just stuff. And when we start treating everything around us like stuff, particularly relationships, then we're going to be in a world of hurt as we grow up as well. So again, these limitations for growth is actually a biblical concept. And I think it's actually the way God's built this world so that we are limited and that we have to wrestle with certain things, but also in the way that we've been given the ability to think for ourselves is to overcome those things that oppress us. And so one of the great questions is, you know, oh, if there was a God, why wouldn't he just take away all pain? And why wouldn't he take away all death? And why wouldn't he take away all suffering? And, and the big one by Stephen Fry, many people copy him, you know, if there truly is a God who loves us, then why does he let little children die? Or why is there a worm who causes blindness in children in Africa? And, you know, it's this sort of existential question that I don't see the evidence of your God because your God allows evil to happen. Where it's not, you know, that measurement of limitation as whether it's good or bad doesn't explore the creativity that's left as a void for us to fill as human beings. And so, you know, the, the immunization process, and even here we can go into the current stuff of, you know, COVID vaccinations and is it a lie? Should we get vaccinated? I'm not going to go into that. But that we, we've almost eliminated smallpox. We've almost eliminated certain diseases because of an immunization program that's made humanity healthier. Mm. And that ability to say, not only can we trace, map and understand a virus, we can now genome it, understand its DNA and attack it at that level. Now, that's, that's an amazing level of understanding, but we can't stop COVID running around the world. So there's limitations to what our, our understanding does. We, we still can't have that power to stop it, but within the limits of it, we have the ability to manage and, and journey with it. I think that's a growing space that God's created this world for us in preparation for, for eternity. You know, if, if we can't trust God now, how are we going to trust God forever? Mm. And so this world is built by limitations to act as a sieve in some respects. I think I can recall a story that you used to talk a while ago, we had a conversation about it, how that we're taught from a young age that there are no limitations, that we can do anything, yeah. that as we go through school, that we're told that we just have to put our minds to it and work hard and you can become whatever you want to be and you can do whatever you want to do. However, yeah. for a lot of us, I think we discover that that's actually a fallacy and that something is unattainable. If we don't get to the point of that it's a fallacy, then we start blaming ourselves that we're, there's something wrong with us because we can't actually achieve that. But we yeah. don't actually yeah. acknowledge that there's a limitation on on all of that sort of stuff. So as a young age, um, we're actually told that limitations are just things to push through and to work through. And for some of us, that's actually not true. No, no. And this is where we've got to explore the individual versus the collective. And, and I'm a great one, not for equality, sorry, people, but I am one for equity. 
And equity is very different to equality. Equality says everyone gets the same stuff. We all get the same level of education. We all get the same access to stuff. Well, it, there's no point training me as a doctor because my dyslexia won't let me hold it. There's no point me being an accountant because my dyslexia won't let me hold that. And, you know, that's, that's something that I learned to live with. But when it comes to theology and understanding story and scripture and understanding how that, that works in our lives, you know, I've got friends who are both doctors and, and uh, high-up accountants and business managers, and they go, how do you get that out of the Bible as we're doing a Bible study? How do you make those points? That's liberating for me, but I can't see that. You know, and often my statement is, yeah, but I can't get numbers and I can't operate on someone. This is the gifting we have. And uh, one of the great stories I saw as a kid was this picture of a, of a principal sitting at his desk with students being a monkey, an elephant, a giraffe, a snake, and a fish. And the whole test of the education was the person who can climb the tree the fastest is the one who's educated and, and, and gets the grade and therefore is intelligent within the students. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, the monkey's going to climb the tree. The elephant can't climb the tree. The giraffe can reach the top of the tree. It doesn't even need to climb it. And the fish has got no hope. And the, and the, the wrestle with, with education is, is it equity? Like how, how well can the fish swim and how do we embrace the fish's swimming and improve that within the fish? How do we, you know... How do we strengthen the, the elephant's trunk, not expect the elephant or the fish to be the monkey and climb a tree? And that's the difference that, I, you know, now I guess said now I'm a grandfather in my own right and I look back on life. That statement that you can be anything you choose to be is damaging. It's also damaging when we as a society haven't embraced the, the glass ceiling for women in our community. It's also a big issue when it comes to be, not to open a can of worms, but the whole gender conversation at the moment is you can be anything you want to be. And there's parts of society that, that wrestle with that, that can't accept that, and some won't accept that. And so this whole limitless stuff is actually really dangerous because I'll, I'll talk about myself. I, I will never, as a man, I'll never know what it is to have a period. Thank God on that part. I'll never know what it's like to gestate a life within my body. I'll never know what it's like to sustain that life with my own resources of my body. That's just beyond me. It's a limitation that as a man I have, and it's just a reality. No amount of operations will actually ever give me the ability to still do that. Now, who knows where the world will go with genome sequencing and all the rest of it. But again, when you get to that choice, we're given a body and we're given life that we didn't choose and that is limited by genetics. Yeah, I'm a big fella. I find it hard to be 70 60 kilos it's just it's almost beyond me for my genetics you know um i'm not happy that i'm the size i am but i'm limited in the way my body reacts to food and i'm limited in the way you know i'm not but i've got family members who are diabetic they're limited in the way their body actually transmutes certain nutrients again we've got medicine that helps them but but they're limited actually by birth by what they've been given by how they deal with what they deal with. And then you can explore the limitations of your family of origin. You know, where were you born? Are you more likely to advance in certain areas of science and medicine if you're born in Western society as opposed to an Eastern society or a first or second world society or a third world society? You know, there's so many limitations. And yet, when we see those limitations, the creativity that comes out of those that are limited, not those who have access but the ones who are limited 
actually find a more creative way to get around their problems than those who don't have any limitations. So that's, you know, how do you explore that stuff around life? You know, talking to you, who's a, a woman. Uh, yeah. How do you experience the limitations that society puts on us when you're told you can do anything you want, Rachel? You can make the world your oyster and make it be whatever you'd like it to be. Yes, I think that the, the word frustrations and sometimes hurt and those um, different emotions that I've had to explore as I've gone through, I, I know that I've had a conversation with you around the fact that, that I seem to be doing all these degrees and, and the bills for those degrees keep piling up but I don't seem to be able to do any of to get my foot into any of those positions that I'm mm. qualified for so that in mm. itself and and that's due to limitations and people's views and it's actually probably one of those things that you just have to to work around um, and explore different ways I think that's how my creativity is is coming out is that I'm exploring different ways to actually use the training and things that I've actually come across even though it may not be having a congregation that has appointed me as a minister but it, it definitely is um, still working with people and talking with people but doing it on a completely different basis I have my art that I do and I have the podcast and um, yeah and I've started a blog, which is a bit scary, but <laughs> for, for someone like myself who, too, who has dyslexia and is not one known for always being clear with how I write and, and I'm thankful that my husband is a good editor at times and can discern my mixed up sentences that don't always make sense but um, and help with the editing in that process. But, but yeah, it, it, in that sense, there's always limitations, but I think the limitations actually help us to explore and, and be creative in how we overcome them or how how do we not necessarily yeah. bypass them because I don't think that's a healthy space to be, but but how do I do it when it's when this is the issue or how do I yeah, how do I do something else or how does that creativity space look in a different perspective? Um, yeah, and I, I bounce off of that and say that any advancement of society, any advancement of modernity has actually come about because of limitations. Yeah. Not because of the absence of them. Yeah, I think, yeah, especially inventors and, and the different knickknacks that they use to I think our yep. capitalist world wouldn't be the same without trying to fix those holes and that, that we or the chores that we don't want to do or all that kind of stuff. I think we all also can use limitations and, and place them as commandments too. Um that they're they're our own <laughs> thing and we put our own commandments in that. Yeah. And and we place our, our perspective of they're either good or bad, like our commandments are good or bad or the limitations are good or bad. And and we yeah. we have our own set of rules and, and own set of which can be harmful at times, I think. Yep. Those, those rules, those limitations, once again, can, can actually inhibit us from seeing what's actually happening or being free, which is an interesting yeah. tie back to last week. Yeah, the, the, the story that um, I use quite often when I'm preaching, you'd have heard me use it many times, but it's the story of the husband who's watching his wife make the roast. We won't go into the sexism of that statement in and of itself, but the husband's watching his wife make the roast and, and she... And he says to her, honey, do you mind if I ask you a question? She goes, no, that's all right. She goes, why do you cut the ends off the roast? And the wife says, I don't know. My mum always did that. So next time they caught catch up with mum, they say, hey, mum, just a question. 
why do you cut the ends off the roast? And mum says, hmm, I don't know. Grandma used to always do it. And luckily, grandma was still alive. And so they catch up with grandma and say, grandma, why do you cut the ends off the roast? And she says, well, I never had an oven or a tray big enough to take the whole roast. So I just used to cut the ends off. And so there's this analogy that we get out of that story that is that what is in it a way around a limitation in the first place becomes habit for the second generation, entrenched for the third generation. But often it's the fourth generation that wants to kick back and go, nah, this doesn't work for me anymore because technology has made in, in the analogy of this story made bigger ovens and made bigger trays. And <laughs> we can fit not only one roast in certain ovens, we can fit three or four roasts in an oven these days, you know, in this abundance of the world we live in. It's not, um, but when you go back to grandma's day, you know, the, the ovens were only so big and, and probably wood fired at that stage, you know, maybe advanced if it was gas, but it wouldn't certainly be fan forced in the way we have it, nor microwavable in the way mm -hmm. we have it today. You know, so there's a point at which, um, and I was watching a great YouTube on a guy who's done a whole study on every 50 years, every 50, every fourth generation anyway. And he says in 50 years, that's a generation, that's the four generations, but that he's actually started to watch this in society that, that led up to World War One and World War Two, and then Vietnam after that. And, uh, and he says, these are all these cycles and um, the next cycle uh, is coming for a change that creativity is going to burst forth in our communities as a response to the limitations that our governments and the world are and and now you'd add COVID into that that these limitations are actually going to create uh, an abundance of creativity and problem solving options that break us out of the view and the engagement of the world that's how it has been not how it is Mm. just the other day i was watching a little youtube why don't men wear waistcoats anymore you know it's a funny little ditty that i thought oh, it's interesting and you know he says you go back in time and there weren't any belts and men needed their pants being held up by their braces and so everyone wore braces but to hide the braces and not look uncouth you would wear a, a waistcoat over the top of that you and the waistcoats needed to put your watch in the waistcoat too well, yeah, and your glasses and your monocle. So, yeah. so the, the waistcoats had all of these um, pockets. But over time, as the rich watch, wristwatch was started to use after World War I, uh, preference to the, the waistwatch um, or the, the, you know, the whatever the word is, I can't think of what they called them. No, I can't. Um, my, my dad has one, but I can't. But, anyway. Yeah, so as they, um, as they started wearing wristwatches, they didn't know they need the pockets for their, their, um, their clocks. And then as they started wearing glasses on the face as a permanent thing, uh, you didn't need the pocket to put your glasses in. So then waistcoats started moving towards not having any pockets. And then people started wearing belts more and more, which meant you didn't have to hide your braces, at which point now waistcoats are not actually a popular thing anymore. So, you know, the, the, the waistcoat was a solution to a limitation of how do you hold your pants up. It's now a Whereas fashion now, statement to have your braces. And we're going back to now. Yeah, <laughs> we're now going back. You know, everything old is new again. So you meant to see your braces this time. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. So, so when we look at the view of limitation for growth, sometimes rules sit there for ages and ages and ages until they need to be reassessed. And sometimes we find a really good reason for that rule to exist. And other times we jettison them. Sometimes we have a great response in society to create organisations or to create 
community responses to things that are going on. But once that's gone past, once it's actually done its job, is the organisation needed as much? And, and even here, my mind goes to the temperance movement. Yeah. The temperance movement within Christianity started as a response to the anecdote. I don't think it's wholesale, but the anecdote that many men got their pay packet, went down the pub and spent all their money on their booze. And the women were wearing rags. The children had no shoes on their feet and they won't go to school properly. And so the temperance movement was a response from the church, predominantly run by women, to encourage men to become sober. Now, the irony is, is that sobriety isn't temperance but that's the way they sold it they sold this temperance movement as abstinence it should have been actually called the abstinence movement not the temperance movement but anyway um the whole intent was to temper the amount of drinking and wastage of money on alcohol within the community that led to healthier families it led to schooling it led to um a lot of systems in our community being a lot better but is that wholesale engagement of alcohol still needed today and you'd be hard for press to find a temperance movement today although in an area that has a high alcoholic consumption and a high abuse of women in that space they may be exploring newer versions or reinventing the temperance movement because it's particular for that area but we're talking about a temperance movement back in the 1800s that was wholesale across western society yeah, yeah. Um, so here was a response to a problem it would be interesting to look at that through just I think I think it is there in our society but it might look slightly different in the sense that with our diet these days that we're finding Mm. that we're going back to malnutrition with our kids and scurvy and that kind of stuff in some societies because they don't get the right nutrition because they're about takeaway or processed food or or all that kind of stuff um so that we've been told and for quite even there just just hold that thought even there, it's about the kids choosing off the menu what they want. Not A lot of the fast food chains now actually have healthy food options, mm. but it's the kids who want the junk and the parents who don't limit their access to the junk Yeah. in a lot of respects. Yeah. Sorry, um, keep going. I just wanted to... No, I was just going to say that we're told to have a moderate diet, that it's not about removing and, and restricting yourself from the food, that in that sense it is a temperance in, in, in the correct word, that it's not an, a removing completely, but it's it's taking small portions from each food areas and, and that kind of stuff. So Yeah, and, that, and that's where those limitations of the temperance movement created growth in the family and health in the family. And bearing in mind, you know, a lot, a lot of that drinking came out of blokes coming back from the war and they weren't dealing with their experiences out of World War II. And, mm. uh, you know, drinking was part of being with their mates but it was also about deadening the, the the memory and so creating a limit on that created life and created growth creating a limit on the amount of junk food chips or garbage you have in the house creates a healthy life so mm-hmm. so limitations actually are creative and make growth not the result not the re- re- opposite mm. not the reverse i think as i was trying to find mm. so rules and restrictions actually help us to grow and mature and evolve not the opposite way and that's why i think the church and the bible come under fire sometimes go oh you want to put these rules and restrictions on us you want us to hold us back from progress um no but there are some times where the church hangs on to old old management processes for longer than it probably should Uh, and when the new movements within the world have proven safe we don't let go of 
the old way of understanding things and maybe that's, quickly. that's where the fourth generation conversation yeah. comes in to the church as well it, it's not excluded from that um, yeah. I think a really yeah. good example of having too much choice in that is is the the customer research study about buying where there is more more than yeah. six choices that us as human beings find it too difficult and often we cannot make the decision of of what to buy or which brand to buy or which product or what ice cream flavor to choose from mm -hmm. um, that they've limited it down to six choices or having mm -hmm. six limitations rather than 54 yeah. or that kind. yeah if you've only got i think the study said if you've got one two three options you feel like you don't have access to all the choices that there are yeah. If you have more than six, you get overwhelmed. Your brain can't make a, a differentiation between all of it. So, so the, the uh, shopping centres know that they'll have between three or four to six options for you. Um, and so I remember shopping centres that had heaps of baked beans and now you're only find, going to find about three. Well, I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but I've been shopping in the last few weeks and, and our supermarkets here are actually reducing the number of products that they've got on their shelves of particular, yep. the same yep. product over. So that's that's something that has been happening here. Yeah. There's also, if you look at what our Australian diet is, as, a, as opposed to some other countries, uh, the limitations of our refugees when they came out to get access to what they were used to led to um, corner shops, you know, being a Chinese corner shop or a Malaysian corner shop or a Greek corner shop or an Italian corner shop. And now the cuisine in Australia is actually quite diverse because when the immigrants came out and they were limited to their palate, they overcame that limitation by working ways of either making the food here or, or accessing the food and bringing it in. And, yeah, you know, the latest things we're starting to see, let me say Indian restaurants as well in terms of that kind of stuff. But what we're now starting to see is Afghan and um, Middle Eastern shops starting to... to and African shops, to, and yeah. And African shops starting to become more prevalent in our society. So it's, you know, it's a really good experiment socially. And I think the Australian government's about that, about um, how multicultural can you become before it becomes too multicultural but there's so, no limits to it yet we talked about um the explosion of creativity coming out of our limitations and i know that's true for me when i start painting if i give myself too many colors then i find it hard so a limited limited palette works for me yeah much better but what do you think limitations why do you think limitations should i say give an explosion of creativity if you think about the process of a limit it it's about creating time and space for familiarity and acceptance so as a learner driver starts learning to drive and they're limited in having to have someone sit beside them that can actually take control if they need to in a certain situation and they're limited to certain speed they are being invited to beyond the written test start experiencing driving on the road and so that limitation of your l's is to create the space for being familiar, for being comfortable, and to be able to deal with the situations of driving on the road. As you are recognised as reaching a certain point, those limitations are extended. Now you can drive on your own, but with no one else in the car. This is as per the Australian road rules. You've got your L's, your P1s, your P2s, then open, restricted, then open. And so there's these stages where you're restricted for health and for safety. And I think that's 
a godly thing too, in the sense that in this life, in this reality, in this creative space, we are limited. We're limited by certain things to get familiar with them, to start to understand them. And, you know, one of my favorite verses is Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field for such is the kingdom of God. In other words, don't just take for granted the lilies of the field. Go look at them. Go understand them. Go, go make yourself familiar with the world you live in. And when you're comprehending that, when you understand the complexity and the diversity and the fragility and yet also the stubborn resilience of it all, when you can hold those four things in tension, not it's either one or the other, when you can hold four, those four elements in context with one another, then you're really ready to start moving beyond the lily to the animal world interacting with the plant world to understand the biodiversity and the, and the environment that we live in and, and how it ebbs and flows and how we are actually, as human beings, still reliant on and dependent to the movements of our planet. You know, we build houses that have air conditioners, we have heaters, they keep us dry when it's wet, they keep us cool when it's warm, they give us safety inside our walls. But you get a tsunami, an earthquake, or a wildfire come through, and we're reminded <laughs> how small and how insignificant we are on the face of the planet. Mm. So there's this, this recognition that there are boundaries that we're allowed to go through in this reality, death being one of them. You're not going to avoid it. It's coming for everyone. We are limited to a certain amount of time on this world to grow, to mature, to evolve, to embrace God and to engage relationship with one another that lets us know what relationship with God looks like. That limitation and how we deal with that allows us to proceed into the next reality, scripturally speaking, like going from your L's to your P's are. And a learner has no understanding of where they might go with their own driver's license or whether they get a truck license or motorcycle license or move beyond that to a, a pilot's license or they enjoy driving. They're so good at it. They end up being race car drivers or sprint drivers or mechanics who actually work on cars or designers who actually create the cars that we all drive. That, that limitation creates a burst of experience and excitement and engagement and creativity so if you grew up from the age of let's say five arbitrarily knowing all the joys of driving a car you wouldn't go through those stages of awakening and engagement and familiarization and ability to manage and then that next stage of, oh, wow, look at this. We'd lose the awe factor. We'd lose the wow factor. But we'd also not learn when we have accidents and when we make mistakes to also create a sense of wariness and management of where the danger places are. Mm. You know, and, I, and I think there's a great ad. It doesn't play anymore, but a great ad of motorcycle riders um, going around the racetrack and suddenly there's a stoby pole or there's a which is a power pole in our language uh, uh, or, or or a bus stop or a letterbox and as they're sliding off the racetrack there's superimposed these things that are on the road where these young guys who are riding their motorcycles on the road like a racetrack you know and and one of our you know Mick Doohan comes on and says I don't have to face the kind of stuff that bike riders do on the road you know it's madness to ride your motorcycle like you're on a racetrack in suburbia you know, and he's basically saying, look, 
work to your limitations. Don't ignore the limitations of where you are. Mm. And yet, that speed placed on a racetrack with all of the right leathers and all of the right security around you is safe to do. So sometimes the limitations aren't always, they're just locational and sometimes they're environmental. So you talked in there about that those limitations are a godly um, limitation or that they, yeah. they mirror that. How do you see the, the crossover of that creativity and, and love or God happening? Yeah. I see God's creativity coming out of love, much like a parent's with a child's and that limitation of what's safe and what's not safe when they're old enough to do certain things around the house that they couldn't, you know, when they're able to stay up a little bit later than they have been when they, um, the, the God's very similar in that space that in order to create a family that God desired and, you know, the scriptures start with God desiring humanity. That was the plan that comes before God says, let there be light. Before then is the plan of what he's going to do. No one, no one creates anything without a, a plan. Or a, as you said, you don't start painting without choosing your palette that you're going to paint what you're going to paint. Or if you choose to recreate something, it tells you the palette you're going to use if you're going to recreate it exactly. Mm -hmm. so, so God has this desire to have a species called human beings who are restricted for a certain amount of time as body spirit so that can exist we have the cosmos created we have the stars created we have the planets created and all of these things create ebbs and flows of gravity and uh, green zones as science calls it you know planets going to exist in green zone and then you get life existing on our planet the likes of which we are yet to find anywhere else in the universe that's i'm not saying we won't but right now it does not exist anywhere else and here on this little blue planet with green islands, or continents, if you want to call them big enough, is a space that is habitable for us, that we can breathe its air, that we can eat its nutrients. Some, some are poison to us. But if you think about the very nature of eating lettuce, it's some leaf that we're munching away on. Fruit is the tree's way of reproducing life, but we can eat that and sustain ourselves off of that. And then later on, even taking the life of animals and gaining sustenance from that. You know, and there's puffer fish. You don't eat all the puffer fish. There's some limitations to you don't eat, you know. But by and large, the amount of dependency we have on this planet for our reality and understanding existence is so keyed in the creativity to create that biodiversity, that reliance and that life comes from God's love. That's the creative, but it's limited at this point. And God is beyond the limits. But in order to be beyond the limits, you've also got to learn limits. And that's where we go back to um, Chris's statement that from, um, what's Very his face? Pratchett. From Pratchett, you know. Yeah. That, that life without limits is is nothing you, you, you require limits our desire to be healthy and to overcome disease is built on the reality that we die and if that wasn't a limit and if healthy life wasn't a limit we wouldn't spend anywhere near the amount of money we do on the medical system that's all built on the fact that we get diseases and we die. 
So how do we understand ourselves? If God is a creating God and we are God's children, how does God teach us to be creative, limited, creative, creative beings? You get put through an apprenticeship. I think I use this analogy in my sermon on Sunday. You get put through an apprenticeship to see how creative you can be within the limits. And in some cases, how creative can we be to overcome limits in that sense? You know, we've created rockets. We've put men in space. We've breached the limit of gravity, but we haven't breached the limit of needing the sustenance of this planet to survive. So every rocket that goes up, every space person that's up there relies on the resources and the nutrients of this planet being taken up to them. So while we've escaped the Earth, we haven't escaped the Earth. While we've pushed gravity, we are finding out through studies from the space station that we actually need gravity to live. Um, yeah. So Because your body does all sorts of weird stuff without gravity. Yeah. In yeah. fact, to even comprehend and understand gravity. Yeah, now we're getting back to Newton with yeah. his anecdote of Apple. Um, but even the ability to observe and learn, God gave us that. God says, consider the lilies of of the field if you live without limitation you live without the ability to be creative it, it is an intricate part of, of creativity is bound to limitation not the evidence otherwise it, it, it's not the opposite reality at all mm. so do you think that there's a link between creativity and limitations yeah yeah 100 percent you cannot have creativity without limitation. And the link of creativity and love is, is what we've just explored. It's, it's the emergence of, of God within that. Yeah. It's, you know, the creative sense of um, the limitations of kids learning to walk and because of gravity falling over. Mm. If you picked them up every time, would they ever learn to pick themselves up off the floor? There's a statement, how do you learn to walk? By learning to fall over. The limit, as parent limits themselves from picking the kid up, the kid learns to move beyond a limitation that they have. I think too that that we we also find that if we, it's not necessarily what we we would expect of of a physical issue that happens to a child if we we pick them up all the time, but it's the emotional that emotionally we become immature um, that that we don't mature and that there's a part of us that needs to be left alone but have limitations to be able to mature through that and I think that's once again that creativity so holding those two in mind the Mm. link of creativity and love and creativity and limitations and even freedom within that what does does love and what does love and limitations say to you well as you put those two together I go to marriage in my head Mm -hmm. Um, within the marriage with my wife, there really aren't any limitations. How we share our bodies, how we share our time, how we create family, how we give to family. But in being married, I'm limited. Then, you know, I don't. Other women are off bounds. I cannot pursue for the health of my relationship with my wife. It would be absolutely fraught with danger for me to pursue another relationship with another woman on top of my marriage to my wife. And so when I've chosen and before God said my vows and married my wife to the exclusion of all others, I embraced a limitation 
that has kept me healthy, happy, free of sexual disease, and um, and messed up brain in terms of trust. You know, I trust my wife, and I hope she trusts me. But the minute that's eroded, I now no longer have the ability to trust my partner. And if you've eroded that ability to trust, you've got to spend a whole lot more work ensuring the other person that you're trustworthy, even though the history of your evidence is that you're not. Mm. You know, and, and we can grow and learn. And, and so second marriages and third marriages, and there's an issue in there of itself, but, but they can grow and become more robust through the mistakes they've made. That's what we've talked about learning. But if you go into every relationship not learning from the limitations of the one before, you're fraught to just keep making that same mistake. So when I put love, creativity and, and boundaries and, and limitations, that's where my mind went. How about you? Where do you go when you think about love and limitation? I think for me, once again, it goes to relationship, but I would immediately go that the love of God, even though we find it hard and frustrating at times and um, to live in a world that has limitations that aren't necessarily, I'll use the word fair, and I know that's a whole different yeah let's go down that let's go down that road (laughs) um that that we'll pause on that let me finish my sentence um (laughs) that that those that that it it is actually out of love for me that god is doing this that is actually out of love that those are there because i have that relationship and understanding of god and that holds me i therefore can actually relate it to the relationships within my life so whether that's with my kids and I know my kids at times frown at me or get upset and crap the puppies with me um, because those <laughs> limitations are there. But I, yeah. but that's where I go. If we don't learn those and we don't find those creative ways of expressing ourselves through those limitations, yeah. and that's not yeah. to say that we go out and and remove freedom from others, but maybe it's about mm. how do we give freedom to another person if i've got limitations how does that how do i offer freedom to somebody else um and that comes in and explores it through out my relationships with others that also yeah is with my husband it's also with the people i encounter who i don't know who are in cars or crossing the street um, yeah all that kind of stuff so i think so, but also to add to that as you were talking about how, how do i have limitations and freedom with my limitations and not put it on someone else and that's where you know i think some kids um, and I'm proud of my kids in this space where they've shared their stories where they've been offered drugs and they've chosen the limit of not engaging drug use. They haven't overly preached to the other person about the use of them, but they've also been there as a friend when that not reason drunk. for, yeah, yeah. But, but also to be there when that person faced the reason why they're doing drugs and then their friendship was able to be there because they didn't necessarily judge, but they didn't condone nor participate mm. now what's really interesting about um, broken people and i think alcoholism and drug abuse and substance abuse of self or others is all visual reference to internal harm internal damage and what's interesting is that that internal damage wants to make itself normalized so if more people do it and it becomes normal, then they don't have to feel bad about the thing that they're doing, which is actually abnormal. Mm. And that's the societal side of it, that we can actually create 
an approval for society that is actually not godly. Mm. Um, so let's let's go down that rabbit hole. A rabbit hole of fear, which actually I yeah. think leads back into our earlier conversation or your intro. I can't remember which one it was around um, equality. And what was the other word you used? Equity versus equality. equality. I don't mm. think while I use the word fair, I use it fairly loosely. Um, and I think we often hear the word fair being mm-hmm. made. And maybe that's just my cheeky nature of of using yeah, but let, let, space, but let's explore that word fair what what are you using it in place of something's not fair what are you saying what am i saying that um that i don't feel like i've been given a chance or that what else could fair be so what's underneath that is underneath that is i want what i want but i'm not allowed to have it yeah i, I knew i was missing something but yes i want what i want when i want it yeah. and that's yeah yeah. And, um, and how old is that in your psyche? You know, what age is that? That's about a two-year-old, I think, in your psyche. You know, so, you know, a lot of people actually still walk around as, as full-grown adults. And even in their 90s, um, I've experienced people still throw two-year-old tantrums. It's not fair. I don't want to be in this nursing home. I want my children to look after me better than they are. I, you know, I want things to go back to when fuel was a dollar fifty. Yeah. Speaking of fuel, did you see the price this week? My oh, gosh. Horrendous. Like, I saw a cartoon of, of a, a, a Bowser yeah. using its nozzle like a gun, robbing the bloke who's about to put fuel <laughs> in his car. It was so funny. I think I saw it the past one yesterday. It was a dollar eighty-nine or something. And I went, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you digress. And yet in other countries, they're going, Oh, wow, you're lucky. Um yeah. <laughs> and, and even for me to say, I, I wish it was a dollar fifty. Um you know, I, I go back to when, when fuel was about 45 cents a litre yep. in my time, you know. Yep. And I had an LPG tank and I was paying something like 20 cents a litre. I was pumping LPG into the car. Now, with my big four-wheel drive so I can go bush and enjoy God's creation, just about sends me broke every time yeah. I go on holidays. Need to do a mortgage to put fuel in your car. <laughs> just about. Um, but and there's a limitation isn't it it is financially so what's going to happen people stop buying fuel can the fuel companies keep the price of that high if they stop selling as much fuel this is where um you know as australians we're pretty dumb because we like to bitch and complain but we actually don't make any difference um americans once the fuel hits a certain price they just, just stop buying fuel and the companies know that they cannot take the fuel above that price or else they go broke yeah. Um, similarly with the mortgages, uh, you know, my boss, when I was a young carpenter, he said, I was in America. He said the mortgages, the banks just put the mortgage um, percentage of um, repayments too high. And so people just walked away from the houses, holes, bowlers. There were whole housing developments just empty because people just went, no, I'm not paying that amount of interest and walked away. Said, there you are, bank, you can have the house. Yes, we're Australia in that sense. Complains <laughs> about the price of it and then forks the money right. out and goes hungry for the rest of the week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're so lame when it comes to that. We really are. Bitch and complain, but comply. Yeah, all right. <laughs> no worries. Whatever. So, yeah, I, I think fairness is is an interesting word that we use, and and maybe we need to to re-look at how we use our word fair and why you're saying the word fair. Yeah. Um, and if we take it all the way back to the schooling system, you know, 
Is it fair that kids shouldn't have equal opportunities? Yeah, because what is their gifting? What is their actual, what are they special with and for? And, and why should we make a kid who's artsy and creative and able to manufacture? You know, I, I failed at school when it came to the academics, but I went into carpentry and flourished. Yeah. So why did I have to go through that pain? And, and all through high school, I had this quote from my teachers. You don't know what it's like in the real world. We're trying to get you ready for the real world and you need to know this. I got onto the building site and I didn't need to know half the crap that they were saying I needed to know. It was mm. not relevant to me. And I'm thinking, why wasn't I doing carpentry earlier? Because the system says you've got to go from kindergarten to primary school to high school to university before you're able to enter into the workforce and mm. society. Now, in, in buildings terms, you're too old. You're too stubborn. You need to be formed much younger than that when it comes to being a builder. But to my shock and horror, you get graduation ceremonies coming out of kindergarten now. Mm. The you whole do. shebang. And it's like, what the schnitzel? So achievement becomes spectacular, not just a part of growing and maturing. Mm. I think it so reminds then the kids me. want celebration all the time. Yeah. Um, and that constant, you're doing good when it's yeah. um, the need. Not for, in my own sense of awareness, but the approval from others. I think that reminds me of, of um, Parker Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak. I know we've talked about it before, but um, yeah. and being a, a grandparent now, you can understand his quote um, even more in the sense that he watch he watches his grandchildren and talks about watching mm. his grandchildren mm. and watching the different ways in which they explode out and and just become light and mm. their creativity and who they are just blossoms out of them and and becomes that and I think that that's probably yeah. part of our school system that is missing that it's constantly still a cookie cutter, potentially? Um, well, I, I think schooling is still stuck in a very old and militaristic paradigm. And you see you see certain schools like, and I'm going to use the word now, it's going to go straight out of my head. Um, there's certain schools, the young primary schools, the high schools haven't got there quite yet, that explore kids learning at their own pace, not at the pace of education. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, they're not names of the schools off we'll move on and i'll remember them later but yeah the, the kids learn what they need to learn and if you go back to biblical days well you learned what your dad did because at an age once you're done schooling and you know remember jesus day their schooling was to learn scripture at the hebrew text for that point so their schooling was to learn about god through the scriptures and the history of their people but their job was to then go to work with dad and learn the craft and the trade that that, that dad did and that's one of the great growth you know if we look at jesus life and we've often talked about the fact that i i wonder what would have happened if joseph and mary had left jesus in the temple at the age of 12 like biblically they should have but they couldn't find him they went back and they demand he comes home and it says that he he obeys them now of course mm -hmm. one of the ten commandments is obey your parents but i often wonder what would have happened to our scriptures if they'd have left jesus there but he chooses to accept their limitation of going home and being their son and as theologians we kind of understand that why does jesus start his ministry at 30 possibly when joseph died when joseph died and he became and jesus becomes the head of the family he's now free to pursue his ministry 
and and bearing in mind that he's got his other brothers there that can take on the carpentry business and keep that running, even though some of them become his disciples. Mm. Um, you, you've got this situation that what, why does Jesus start his ministry at 30? Probably because the limitation of his dad was gone. He can now, as the head of the family, choose his destiny. And so he chooses his ministry in God as his son rather than adherence to Mary and Joseph. And I think that even plays out when you get Jesus in the room and, and someone says, oh, your mother and brothers are here to come and collect you because we think you've gone mad. And Jesus simply says to the room, well, who are my brothers and sisters? They're the people who follow the will of God. So there's this paradigm shift in Jesus that, that adheres to the worldly living in family and culture and structure. And then at the time when he's able to, without disrespecting his parents, not so much his mother, but his father in terms of the patriarchal system of the world he lived in, he's able to then move out and pursue what God had made him to be, having fulfilled the limitations of his family. And, and that's where I think Jesus is a good image of this stuff, mm. that he loved his parents enough to obey his parents, even though his father is God. He obeys his earthly parents to the point where he's fulfilled that duty and now steps into the other role. I also believe that there's a maturity in that, that, that Jesus, having lived in countryside, working as a carpenter, is a far more robust minister than he would have been if he'd stayed in the temple at the age of 12. Mm. I think there's, you know, because in Churches of Christ, as we look at, at ministry candidates, we look for people who have had experience in life. You know, we, we rarely take on a minister under, under 30, really, if you look at our, our movement. You've got to have had some experience in life. You've got to have some knocks and shapes and bruises and some scars that let you know how to work with and work beside and encourage other people to achieve their potential. Not And, the, and here's the kind of gone in a sermon now, but the danger of ministry when you're not formed and you haven't had those limitations is that you want the whole church and the congregation to start living as you think they should live. You lose, as Parker Palmer's playing around with, the ability to see each of member of your congregation for the beauty and the richness and the gifting that they have. And so that's the danger of religion and certainly denominations is that they cook a cutty, cook a cookie. Cookie cut. Thank you. Cookie cut their congregation rather than embracing the equity and the diversity and the gifting of their congregation. And I think that's why all throughout history, you see the breaking up of from uh, this Jewish Jerusalem-based church through Paul and Peter into a European-based church. You then see the Catholic church break away from what was Orthodox and Coptic and um, the Jewish church. You then get that breaking into uh, to Protestantism after the Crusades and, and various bits and pieces. Uh, and, and that is that, that when... When we as human beings start placing human limitations on human people, we're far more likely to break out of those human limitations. But the limitations of God actually create healthy life. The limitations of humanity often create bad limitations and outcomes. Yeah. I know my mind jumped to a couple of places while you were talking then is, is that once again, we're back at that fourth generation conversation, I think, with the education. Yeah. Um, that there needs to be something to happen. Otherwise, we have looked well, at and if, different areas, you know, if you, like the, the apprenticeships, they're needing apprentices at the moment um, 
because yeah. everybody's focusing on university and having to do university that different areas within our society are lacking immensely within that um, yep so yep it's also that you know i had a great opportunity when i was at my first high school, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I didn't like my second high school because my second high school was very academic. My first high school was very um, trades-based. And Underdale High School, that was my first one. And I had the opportunity. It was curriculum, so I had to do it. But but here's the, whether you want to say equality in it or not, but it was about exploring what you were gifted at. Alongside of doing woodworks, metalworks, and plastics, which was quite new, um, and you could do mechanics we also had to do home ec sewing um and uh you know those those homely things so you know as as a bloke in my 50s as a grandfather i can sew as well as my wife because i was taught to you know and and ironically a lot of sewing was done by sailors on the ships because there wasn't any women there and so a lot of our knots and a lot of macrame and a lot of that kind of stuff came out of sailors being bored on the ship and so doing great knot work. Um, you know, it's not seen as a masculine thing anymore, but it actually started by the sailors. Limitations of the ship. I've got, I if I'm working, I'm working. When I'm not working, I'm not working, but I'm stuck on a ship at sea. What do I do with my time? I make knot work. I carve <laughs> wood, you know. Um, we write songs. It's, you know, the limitation, ah, oh, this might be cool to explore. The limitations of boredom. Yes. That create the space of creativity. We don't like to be bored and we can watch YouTubes and we've got our phone in our hand the whole time. If you're bored, you can play a game. We don't do bored anymore. Mm. Yet that boredom creates life. Creativity. Um, there's a lot of um, well-known psychologists, I can't think of any names at the moment, but that are actually saying that your children need to be bored, that it's not yep. about constantly providing entertainment for them, that they actually yep. need to be bored and that is part of the growing process, um, that maybe yep. as adults that we still need a form of boredom ourselves. That could be a, an interesting yeah. reflection. Well, yeah, I think, and, and not to mix monotony with boredom, um, yep. but going back to the schooling system, you know, we are so computer driven now in our world and, and a lot of a lot of schools now um, not only use computers but they actually teach coding mm -hmm. but it's still a sub-curricular it's not main curricula but I can see a time coming very soon where you will learn reading writing and coding because it will become such an integral part of familiarity with tools mm -hmm. that coding uh, and use of computers will, will come right up there with the curriculum. And, and this is where the whole education system is such a behemoth of an organisation. How do you help that to grow? Um, there's also a, a great, again, I'm going to quote a YouTuber, there's a song by a young fella who, who sings, you know, I've learned about Pythagoras theorem, I've learned about pi, but I've not learned how to use the stock exchange. I've not used learned how to use banking. I've not learned how to do what some people just expect parents to actually teach kids. Whereas these are the things they need to have to actually operate in the world. And the education system doesn't go anywhere near helping people to understand how to actually exist in the world. And the church has been long 
held the ground of how do we help people exist relationally and emotionally in the world. And of course, the school education system doesn't even look at emotional and communal living. It maybe, now has to try and create it, maybe but it's, that, not, it's, it's not its wheelhouse. Maybe that's us trying to create or, or push past certain limitations because I don't know that we're meant to hold everything. Yes, as, as adults, we would expect that we would know how to bank and, and do some of those things, but I think that there's a certain part of that expectation is that there are that people don't think that adults will have a limitation within that process of what they can and can't do and I I think that because our society is changing quickly at the moment Mm. um, that we have explored so many different avenues and and of of what it means to be in community and society um, Mm. that we find it hard to keep up with that as individuals um, mm. and that those things to, to go that if we keep moving at a rapid rate that by the time we finished our schooling it will all be irrelevant because we've moved so fast down, yeah. down the road. Yeah. So to think that we don't have yeah. limitations I think is dangerous as adults um, yeah. and is actually taking on board that story. But it's also where if, if I bounce off that in another direction, it's also where families find themselves in financial difficulties because they don't live to the limitations of their income. They don't budget well. They put mm-hmm. everything on credit card. They get everything on, you know, on, on um, pre-purchase or whatever. And suddenly they've got all these bills coming. They've just not got the income to deal with it. You know, how do you live within the limitations? That could be also reflected back on was, were they given everything as a child too? How were their, how were their childhoods? Um, yeah, sometimes I think it's also a reaction to say, I, I had so many limitations and I wasn't allowed to have so many things as a child. Yeah. Now I'm an adult. I choose to have them all. And suddenly they realise, mm-hmm, you can have it all, but you pay the price for it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's something that our kids need to learn these days too, that in, in some shape, way or form, we learnt it generations ago. But maybe that's... Well, again, it's the fourth generation. We expect it to be there, but it's not now. It's not being taught. Mm. And And... And parents, you know, Nick and I, when we got married, um, our idea was to at least have one parent at home until all our kids had finished, you know, sort of year 10, so mid-high school, just because we emotionally and structurally wanted to have them know that they, there was always a point of safety and a place of love that they could come to when it got hard. The minute our youngest daughter hit primary school, the government sent a letter, and, you know, we, we lived on... Um, family housing, uh, not family housing, uh, family benefits, which is, you know, half the structure. The government sends a letter to my wife and says, well, you last kids at school now, you've got to go to work and earn your money. If you don't, we'll cut you off of everything. Now, that changed Nick's and my way of seeing things. And my youngest daughter has a very different attitude to life and, and dependency and need that the other two didn't because they knew there was a parent at home, whereas Isla didn't, my youngest daughter. She, she has um, a need for more recognition and support than the other two. And, and I, I put that simply down to the fact that she didn't have that parent at home as a resource in the way that the other two did. Uh, and so her mum wasn't able to go to school things as she was able to go to school things for mm. the other two. She couldn't go to sports days. She couldn't go to bits and pieces that the other kids had for granted. But Isla was denied because... Nick was working. Mm. 
you know, so so this whole, right, your kids now at this point, you're going to do what we say, robbed our youngest daughter and has created far more dependencies in her. She's a beautiful woman now, but, but you know, I'm looking back anecdotally, mm. far more dependencies in her than the others have simply because she didn't have that support and that connection, that network that, that the other two had. Mm. So, you know, we deal with limitations and we deal with, you know, but Isla, without having that, is far more creative than the other two. She's a dynamite when it comes to other things that the other two would never consider because she had to overcome that limitation. Mm. Boredom in some senses. No, it was more a feeling of loneliness, okay. of not being worthy. Well, so I was just thinking when she got home, she didn't have people to entertain or to talk to or, or that. Well, she had her siblings, but um, mm. she had to But entertain. the siblings aren't parents. Yeah. this all up yeah how how would you put limitations we've talked about we talk about love we talked about creativity and we even touched on freedom we've also talked about fairness and equality versus equity mm. we've talked about wants and we've also talked about fairness mm. i think i said it twice yeah, uh, all coming out of a simple exploration of limitation. I, I want to sum all that up to say that I actually think that the answer to why would God stay silent in our community, in our world? Why would God allow death? Why would God allow disease? Why would God allow wars? Is so that we can grow and mature as a species. That's mm -hmm. That's as individuals, but also as a species. And the biggest hindrance to that, I think, is the shortness of our species, that every generation has to learn the lessons for themselves. And that's why I don't think the gospel needs to evolve, because it keeps teaching the framework and the basics of how to be healthy people in community mm. by learning our own limitations, allowing other people limitations. And when you combine our limitations, overcome some of the greatest diversities that have ever faced our species. And God's allowing us to grow, to mature, to learn, and to have an ability to say, we did that, you know. Mm -hmm. but, but the inherent underlying foundation for that is that God gave us that ability to think, to overcome, but it's the limitations that create that need to do so. And that's why I think for me, the gospel is you can't overcome death, but if you overcome the journey of your life in your community, through loving my son, I can take you beyond that limitation. But if you don't want my help and you don't have a, rel a relationship with me, how can I take you across that limitation? Because you won't trust me and you haven't learned me and you haven't understand, understood my ways and my relationship. So there will be a limitation. And this is, I think, where I'd like to finish is I don't fully understand what the limitations. Some people will say that you know, Jesus died and redeemed us on the cross, so we're all redeemed. And that's called universalism in Christianity. Some people believe that unless you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then you're not getting across that barrier of, of um, death. 
to into eternal life. And some will push further and say, unless you've been baptized, you can't enter the kingdom of God. I, I'm, you know, after 20 years of ministry um, and arguments going backwards and forwards just between those three, let alone whether you're Catholic or not, whether you learn, you know, which paddock you're swimming. Um, uh, I just want to trust in God. That God, this is God's zone. And as long as we learn to love his love him as exampled by his son, come to know him as his son represented him and embrace the presence of the Holy Spirit as gifted to us at his resurrection and his ascension or Pentecost as we explore it, then ultimately we've missed the whole point. And there are going to be limitations when it, and some I think there's going to a lot of be, be a lot of people who say it's not fair. Mm. But how much more warning, how much more invitation do you need? I don't know. And that's why it's God's own, not mine. Mm. So, yeah, there are limitations and, and that's why the church and that's why scripture and that's why God has limitations for us. And to quote Paul, I can do anything, but not everything's beneficial. Yeah. I like the summary. Mm. How about for yourself? How would you, How would you sum up our conversation today? How would you want to? close it off i think for me it's not necessarily a summary but how i see everything that we've talked about and maybe it's more about how what has stood out for me um mm. as, not only in in our conversation today but putting this um season together is that mm. it astonishes me the way the words and the topics and the stories all intermingle. I think today we have covered not only last season but last episode and it, mm. it's it's all intertwined. It's all while they are considering the lilies. Yeah, it, it's 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 all there. It's it's that mm. considering the lily thing. It's it's not one or another. It's everything and it takes a lifetime to explore the lilies of the field not just just one thing so I think today and and that today has been a day of acknowledging that and just fitting seeing it all fit together um and that in that sense for me that's the Holy Spirit working within us around us and through us and that I guess through the limitations that I have, that freedom of creativity has exploded out through the conversations yeah. and, and the seasons and that kind of stuff. So I guess that I shouldn't be necessarily surprised, but it has been a, a lovely, <laughs> surprising awakening for me um, mm. to be able to see that. Um, and I guess I'm just enjoying looking at the lilies at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and ultimately comes back to trust. Do you trust God with the current yeah. limitations? Uh, and we can explore seasons as we have in the past, you know, as yeah. you rightly said, you know, there are seasons for things. They are limitations. Mm. You know, in the midst of winter, you do not have spring, but you can't have spring without winter. I know that it's, yes, that that's come true. I, I follow um, a Facebook page that is based in the Northern Hemisphere 
And I know mm-hmm. they do a lot on seasons. So when the change of seasons come in, we get a lot of reflections about the change of season and how that sort of disrupts where I'm at. But it's been interesting to see how it fits too and how I can relate it to my season that I'm in, not necessarily yeah. they're in. But anyway, um, seasons is an interesting. Maybe that will be something we talk about later. Well, yeah, and I think you, you place seasons well and truly in limitations. Mm. And again, it's more evidence that the fingerprint of God in our our creation. Excellent. Cool. Well, is there something that stood out for you? I just just love the the chat that that draws story and draws experience and draws metaphor out. You know, if we're not doing this, it's it's just all sitting there dormant. And and as we look at these topics and we explore them, I, I love hearing where you're journeying with it. I love hearing what comes out of me sometimes. Sometimes I'll sit here and go, where the hell did that come from? Um, <laughs> but it's in me, you know, and that's I, yeah. some, some of it I put down to my PTSD and, and damage from a child. Some of it I put down to my experiences. Some of it I put down to the Holy Spirit speaking into that space and saying, hey, this is where I am. Uh, I love the so fact I, that I, you brought your sermon into it, this week's sermon into it. Like they're the the little glimpses that I see that actually it's our conversation is bigger than just this hour or so yeah. that we're talking. Um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes what we talk about goes into the next sermon, you know, that, that a sermon is created by all the conversations and experiences you have this week or over your life, lifetime. And think that what Jesus says, you know, a teacher always draws out old treasures and new treasures in the sharing of what what they have and and i think that's how that works for me so Mm. i value just you know i i hope there's people listening and they're exploring and and wrestling themselves with what is limitation and freedom but but you know just if it's you and i talking Mm. i i I value the space maybe we put out the invitation if you would like to share with us where your journey with this has gone or how you see this episode or other episodes into twining with your daily life or your yeah yeah make it more interactive we'd love to hear from you um even if you want to if you have a question we'd we'd love you to pop it in an email the email will be listed (laughs) under this um episode um and can't guarantee the wisdom of the answer but yeah feel free to ask any questions (laughs) and and if you just want to say hello to us we'd love to know that you're out there um yeah you might want to leave a comment below on this episode or you might want to leave um drop us a, an email that would be fantastic too just let us know who that, that you're listening and and where you're from that'd be great yeah yeah absolutely but, well once again we come to the end and we look forward to well i look forward to where the um our guided prayer will um appear I haven't done that yet because I like to do the episode first before I Mm. I sit down to organise the the guided prayer. So it'll be interesting to see where that comes in a couple of weeks' time. But until then, we'll catch you next month. And um, I look forward again to our coffee and um, chat. And our next topic. Our next topic will be, I think it's limitations and creativity, something like that. Anyway, we will explore. We're going to pull. No, that's what we did today. Well, it was, wasn't it? Maybe I have to come up with a better title. That might be better. Uh, I, I always come up with the titles as I'm publishing. I'm not necessarily yeah, beforehand. Yeah. Anyway, um, we, we, we delve deeper into the topic of limitations and our yeah. spiritual journey. 
maybe that's a better way of putting it is is yes. um what that looks like and how we enter into that with our daily life dark night of the soul stuff Ooh. yes so if you don't want know what that is maybe you need to stay tuned for the next month's episode <laughs> there you go anyway catch you later scott see you right episode we have explored how we view limitations and how society places limitations on us and the limitations that we place on ourselves. In particular we have looked at limitations and freedom and how limitations can actually give freedom. Leading from this we explore how limitations can trigger creativity or a creative space. Looking at examples about how limiting a colour palette or limiting choices can actually increase creativity. We also consider equality and equity and fairness in the context of wants and how these concepts all explore different ways limitations impact us. Finally, we delve into love and limitations and whether love has limitations as we explore self, God and other. We hope you will join us next time on Conversations with Rachel and Scott. <music>